The next virtual design clinic is on December 19th, 2018. VDCs are live virtual events where you attend for free and no one contacts you after unless you opt in. We're going to do some Ask Me Anything segments with a panel of industry experts. We'll hear presentations on continuous integration and continuous testing for networking, as well as the impact of NVMe over fabrics to network design and more. Celebrate the holiday change fees by registering at packetbushers.net slash VDC. And now on with today's episode. One of the problems with learning networking technologies is setting up your lab. Creating a virtualization environment, fighting with images, tweaking performance, building out the connections, etc. It is a lot of work just to get to the point where you can start learning the stuff you want to learn. What if there was a tool that handled the setup burden for you? A tool where you could jump right in and start learning. Our guests today are no strangers to the Packet Pushers audience. Matt Oswalt and Derek Winkworth have been representative of the next generation network engineers, pushing the envelopes of orchestration and automation, helping to pull networking into the age of modern IT infrastructure with their forward-thinking ideas and coding chops. Their latest product is NRE Labs, which you can find at labs.networkreliability.engineering. So I gave you a lot of fanfare, guys, Matt and Derek, so all, all kinds of stuff to live up to. Uh, uh, really singing your praises. So, okay, in a nutshell, what is NRE Labs? Well, I mean, like the fanfare was great, but but the the uh, the trumpets, uh, you know, as we discussed, I, I guess we forgot that. So I'll, oh, we'll have to add that in post. I bet we'll add it in post. Trumpets in post, definitely. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. Hi. Uh, yeah. My name is Matt Oswalt. Uh, Derek Winkworth uh, and I work together uh, at Juniper Networks uh, on all kinds of automation stuff. And one of the problems that we wanted to solve, like. Um, pretty much from the beginning of our journey here at Juniper was was we've, for the last five years, been associated with automation in various capacities, both on the vendor as well as the practitioner side. And the the one of the biggest problems in this space is it's it's not a it's not a thing you can go like cert, certify and 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 like you know go down this very particular path. It's a very um, ambiguous path of of learning when you when you when you say like you know I'm going to go learn automation. Everybody's experience is going to be different. And so as a result, it, it, the, the amount of information out there is, is plentiful, but it's also very confusing um, for, for people that are just getting started. And the, the analogy that I like to give is, let's say, you know, like on a cooking show, you know, you, know, you turn on the TV, you're watching somebody uh, teach you how to bake a cake, for instance. Um, the very first thing they do isn't, you know, measure ingredients and do all these things uh, to, to like actually put the thing together. The very first thing they do is they actually show you the finished cake. They say, here's what we're about to do. Um, what this does is a few things. First off, it level sets everybody so that we're all sort of looking at the same shared vision. Um, and and there's there's an idea out there that we can work towards. So all of the different sort of minutia of measuring flour and whatnot um, makes a lot more sense. Um, and in, and in, in addition, it gets us you know emotionally much more excited about what we're doing because we've seen this delicious uh, chocolate cake that we know we're about to have um, and be able to put onto our faces. And, and that makes us really excited to actually do some of the minutiae because we know that it's going to end up with that awesome result at the end. So that's sort of the, 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 the vision of, of NRE Labs, what we put together. Automation tends to be the, the learning, uh, uh, you know, learning these skills for yourself uh, has, you know, has a tendency of feeling like, you know, just measure this flower. Well, why? Well, don't worry about it. You'll, you'll, learn, you'll learn later, <laughs> you know? Um, and and the thing the, the thing that we wanted to solve with this was was sort of give people uh, an, an understanding of what what's in it for them if they do decide to go down this path. Um, NRE Labs is a way of them seeing the finished cake. Um, that's sort of the vision behind. I'll let Derek sort of get into the details of what it is that we've what it is that we've built and what you can get out of NRE Labs. But that's sort of the vision. Thanks, Matt. So. <laughs> um, 
So we, we talk to a lot of customers uh, when, when out on the road. And one thing that uh, I think is, I, I, um, I think is an observation we make um, probably too frequently is uh, a lot of people are, ju- are still not really doing any meaningful automation. Um, we, a lot of people have no automation as in zero, any automated anything. And then we also see a lot of people who, as I'm, I'm sure nobody on this call and certainly no listeners anywhere out there, uh, uh, do themselves, but we, we do see this a lot where people have loads and loads of like just off the cuff Perl scripts and Python scripts that they've written to do very particular things. And they're all, you know, hidden away somewhere in a directory and a Unix server somewhere, you know, in production. And they're not really, you know, maintained in GitHub. They don't, there's no test units and these things, you know, they break every time there's an upgrade or no, uh, it, something like that, you know? Yeah. It's because, it's because a lot of us that have written that kind of stuff were never trained on GitHub, don't know much about version control, aren't thinking about testing or the way a developer thinks. We're thinking about, I got this task to do and I want to automate it. Bam, I'm going to create a script that does that. Give me some Python, give me some Perl, right. And exactly, it's it's in that special place on that Unix server, that's where it runs and it does this one thing for you. And there's probably like one or maybe two people in the organization that even know how to use those scripts. So, so it sounds like what we're getting at here is NRE Labs is going to help well, I don't know that it's going to train us to be programmers. I'm going back to that chocolate cake analogy. Um, you know, it's showing finished product to some degree, but I mean, I'm getting you know, specific automation chops along the way, correct? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, yes, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, all those things you just said, right? You don't have experience with GitHub, et cetera. When, what we're trying to do with NRE Labs is, okay, you know, we we have all kinds of automation stuff, we being Juniper, um, available for people to consume. And a lot of times when they go to use it, um, you know, the directions are not actually uh, low level enough. They'll say something like, uh, well, just query the API to get this piece of information. And then the next question is, well, how do I do that? Right. They don't, they don't know what an API, well, they vaguely know what an API is, but they don't know how to access an API. Do I download a Python library for that? Do I have to run curl or wget or, Something like that. I mean, we're running into a lot of that, right? And and it's not just you know, um, it's not just APIs. Like like you said, like how do I check out from GitHub? How do I make a change in um, in a branch? Uh, you know, from source code checked out from GitHub, and then and then push it, and then do a pull request. Like how do I do each of those things? And uh, that's that's the idea with NRE Labs is what if we actually had a mini lab on each of those micro concepts? Okay, this is what it takes to check out code. You can check out the code. You can go through the directories. You can compare the way it looks in the directories to the way it looks on the website. And then on the next mini lab, right, you can um, do a command. You can make a change to a file and then you can push it back, uh, you know, up into the repository. Um it's, I mean, it's taken some of the fear or the unknown out of these newer concepts that to really to really do network automation right, when you're trying to maintain code, share code with a whole bunch of people, these are some of the fundamentals that you should be using to really to begin the journey right, I think is a good way to put it, maybe. 
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like there's there's that aspect. Like we wanted to make sure we addressed a lot of the fundamentals. A lot of these a lot of these initiatives tend to sort of go all the way to the end and get the really impressive demos. I'm very guilty of this where I like to build, you know, I've I've done automation for a number of years and so some of the things that interest me um, changes from year to year, uh, just because I I've solved certain problems in my own environment and I and I move on, you know. But but not everybody's there, you know. The the future is here; it's just not evenly distributed. That's that's never more felt than in automation. Um, and so we wanted to make sure those fundamentals were represented um, not just equally, but in fact uh, in in fact a little more, just because that's everybody's sort of entrance ramp into into a lot of these things. And then the, then they can branch off into different areas. Um, but the other, the other, the really important thing is that all of this, not, you don't have to set anything up uh, up to do any of this learning. Like the 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 the, com- the complexity of setting up these lab environments is actually managed all for you on the back end. We've actually represented all of these lessons fully in the browser. You don't need to install anything. You don't need to configure anything. You don't even need to provide an email address of any kind. You simply go to one of these lessons, uh, the URL, um, you know, the, the, for the lesson that you want. Uh, you know, just click the link, and you're presented with this learning opportunity. Yeah, I, I can vouch for for exactly that. I, I hopped in with the uh, uh, just logged into lesson one. I didn't have to log in at all. I just fired up lesson one and said go. It provisioned the background environment for me, and then I had instructions in the left pane of what I was supposed to be doing. And I started typing commands and reading and learning and analyzing the output and you know learning what I was supposed to learn as I went. It, exactly like that. Yeah. And what sort of things am I going to learn if I show up at NRE Labs? Well, we have uh, we have well, I'll tell you how lessons are breaking down or broken down, right? We have four categories of lessons um, on the website. There's the fundamentals. We have troubleshooting as a category, mm-hmm. we have verification, and we have configuration, right? There's four categories. And under right now, there isn't there isn't a whole lot of uh, lessons, but there will be very soon in the next within the next um, two two to three weeks, you'll see many more lessons starting to populate. Um, but you you pick a lesson from one of those categories, and each lesson is broken up into stages. Um, that, that this is just the terminology terminology we we uh, we chose. And those stages are these mini labs, right? And the goal of these mini labs is that it won't take you more than you know two to five, maybe maybe six or seven minutes at most to to do that mini lab, right? In that stage, and this, there's a there could be a collection of stages making up a lesson, right? And they could be like sequenced, where you start with one, then do the next, and they build on each other, or they could just be a collection of mini labs exploring a single topic, right? They're they're not necessarily dependent on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll take a topic. Um, so as an example, um, we have working with REST APIs, right? And we'll break it down. Um, into small topics so that uh, again you can do it in in two to whatever like I said two to five six seven minutes. Right now the topics that are up there are things like uh, uh, introduction to YAML. Um, if you're not familiar with YAML, you know you can uh, plow through a couple different um, stages. You know many labs that we have set up and they it talks about how you know how to, what a YAML file looks like, what a list, how a list of things is represented in YAML, etc. And I think that one is a couple of different stages. We have version control with Git um, that you can click on. There's a little, I think there, I don't know how many labs are in there now. Um, for the version control with Git, you, there's multiple lessons that you can uh, walk through that take you through different um, Git operations. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we have some Linux basic stuff. Um, I think that covers some shell related things and, um, you know, just working with files and other things. Is that right, Matt? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these, a lot of these focus on, you know, they're not necessarily automation in and of themselves, but we view them as sort of dependencies for other lessons that are a little, you know, slightly more advanced. Like for instance, you know, in the very near future, we're going to have a lesson on Ansible. Um, it's probably a good idea in the network automation space, given the Ansible's popularity. Um, but in order to know Ansible, you you got to know YAML. And you should probably know Git as well and probably a little Python. So what we're finding is, is one thing we're going to be building into this very soon is, is sort of a dependency map. Like, I have this end goal of learning Ansible. Um, instead of diving right into Ansible, you might want to dive into these other lessons. And the platform will sort of point you in that direction. So the notion is I'm getting some basic instruction on what is Git and why version control is essential and how I check things in and check things out and then what this modeling language is and what it means and what the constructs are. So I'm getting, like, essentially I'm learning to walk before I'm running with Ansible. Is that the idea? That's exactly right. Not, not just the how, but also the why. Like, that's the mm-hmm. super important thing for us. We're not just throwing instructions on you. You know, like the, cook, like the cake analogy. We're not just telling you to measure things. We're giving you a vision of what those things will build towards. I think for people that are hearing this for the first time or haven't had a chance to log into the site yet, though, I mean, you're also getting a, a real command line environment that is paired with the lesson so that you are hands-on at the keyboard doing something and seeing the results of what you're doing, in, not in a simulation, but in an actual environment. Yeah. Yeah, and so we're we're actually, this is very cool. This is actually, um, Matt has a lot of reasons to be proud of this. We when you click on a lesson, what actually happens is, um, and because this is network oriented, right? It would be really helpful if we could actually spin up um, things like a virtual QFX or virtual SRX, MX, um, or even other vendors like um, EOS, uh, Cumulus, um, to be able to spin those things up inside of like a virtual network topology and actually connect them so that they can peer and 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 actually spin up things like servers and and uh, or, or, you know, Linux hosts that you can attach and then they can ping each other over the network and stuff like that. That would be, that would be really cool, right? And, and that's exactly what Matt did. So when you're interacting within, on the right side of the screen, uh, when you're using, you know, when you're going through one of the labs, you have these tabbed SSH sessions uh, that are embedded in the browser and those sessions go to those devices in the infrastructure. So you can actually interact with you know, Junos or EOS or Cumulus or whatever it is that's that's in that particular lesson. So Matt, then, I got to ask you this. I think you. it sounds like you were involved in maybe a lot of the software engineering. What's going on in the back end when you do that? Because I, I fired up this lesson and, and just like Derek just described, I got all these tabs and everything. It's all happening in my browser. And I'm like, dang, man, there's a lot going on right now. So, okay, <laughs> I fire up this lesson, the Java thing or whatever that window is pops up and tells me, okay, I'm building your environment. And then when it's done building, off I go. What? Give us a peek behind the curtains. I want to see Oz. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, and, and uh, it's funny, uh, you know, it's so hard to describe this, uh, uh, the, the front end, how it looks uh, on a podcast. But fortunately, as we've, as we've said, there's no, you know, there's no login or anything. You just go to uh, labs.networkreliability.engineering, like literally right now, and you can see it. So I would, I would recommend people do that. Um, unless you're driving. Yeah, unless you're driving, don't do that. Um, we have a special driving lesson. Uh, no, we don't. That's, that's a total lie. Um, we should add one, though. That's a good idea. Uh, anyway, the uh, the back end, yeah. So so really, um, we we reused as much software as we as we could, um, and then we wrote custom software where it made sense. So the two um, 
let me let me start with the the sort of the off the shelf software. The 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 um, the solution as a whole, by the way, we're open, everything everything in the in the platform is open source uh, from the platform itself to our configuration files to the custom software we built. Um, everything, every single bit uh, of information is is on GitHub under the NRE hyphen learning uh, GitHub organization. Um, and the open source project uh, we're calling is uh, Antidote. Um, so basically, Antidote is the sort of the name for the for the umbrella of all of these different pieces of software that, that go together um, to make this thing work. Um, now, the way that this works is uh, we, we have uh, effectively a Kubernetes cluster. That's sort of how everything is, is being run on the back end. Now, it just so happens that the Kubernetes cluster we use to, to power the um, sort of production instance that Juniper sponsors, which is labs.networkreliability.engineering, um, that happens to be running inside of Google Cloud. Um, but Kubernetes is the sort of the common denominator. So as long as you have a Kubernetes cluster, it doesn't matter what cloud you run it in; it, it, it'll st it, it'll still work. There will be differences, of course, how you sort of network, um, you know, the, the external connectivity. For instance, we we have some Google uh, compute specific uh, load balancer configurations, for instance, but nothing application specific. Uh, Kubernetes is the is the common denominator there. Now, um, on top of uh, Kubernetes, we have a, a few pieces of, of of custom software as well as a few pieces of off the shelf software. Um, the in-browser terminal uh, we're using uh, that we that we've built is actually powered by a project called Apache Guacamole, um, and we're we're actually using it at a fairly low level. Uh, we're really only using the JavaScript uh, library there. There there are a few instances where you can see Guacamole in action um, that allows you to sort of do the terminal in the browser, but we're we're actually just using the JavaScript library and doing a lot of that uh, low level stuff ourselves. Now the real meat of it. Um, so that's the sort of the front end. Uh, we we have a project called Antidote Web, which uh, embeds the Guacamole terminal as well as does a bunch of other stuff on the front end to um, to provide things like a lesson guide. Um, so as you as you mentioned, like to the left of the terminal in the browser, we also have a lesson guide that walks you through the different steps. And then actually, one thing I've, <laughs> that I'm really uh, it's sort of uh, it was pretty easy to do, but it's so powerful. Um, underneath each code snippet that that's referenced in the lesson guide, there's a button that says Run this snippet. Um, and some of the JavaScript on the back end takes care of pasting that code, uh, that code or the the you know the CLI commands or whatever it is into the terminal into the appropriate tab even. Um, and so that you don't need to know anything to go through any of these lessons. You, if you're able to click a button, uh, you know, or several buttons, you 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 have the information you need to start learning. That's that's one really cool thing we're we're pretty proud of. Um, and then finally, the last sort of component is the real meat of it. Uh, there's a back end component that orchestrates all of the interaction between the front end, which is sort of an API, it presents an API to the front end, the, the front end calls this API. And then on the back end, it, it coordinates the orchestration of, of resource creation and, and whatnot uh, with Kubernetes. And that component is called Syringe. Um, and so that's a, a piece of custom software that I built uh, in Go that effectively uh, you know, serves as, it's a proxy, I suppose. It's sort of middleware between the front end and the, uh, you know, the Kubernetes API itself. I'm noticing a lot of uh, medical uh, allusions here. Antidote syringe. Is... <laughs> did, you, did you want to be a doctor when you were growing up? No. The um, let me let me let me think of the right way to say this. The uh, the the name was on purpose, um, and it was mostly it was like ninety five percent just for fun. Mm -hmm. um, but five percent of me uh, was looking at, at you know the rest of the space, and we we noticed some we noticed that there were some some viruses out there, uh, specifically like you know. Um, uh, other other automation uh, other automation tools that that might that might use some of that terminology, and so we decided to build Antidote as a result. <laughs> Very good, but ninety five percent just for fun.
So you mentioned um, that this is open source. Can you talk about the this aspect of NRE Labs? Can I participate or can listeners participate? And, and what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Actually, we can uh, break this into two pieces. Um, there's it, the whole thing is open source. The back end, um, all the lessons, everything is it, um, it's sitting out on GitHub. On I think uh, NRE will actually um, will provide that information. Uh, we'll have show guys. links. Yeah. Yeah, I always forget the name of the repository on GitHub because I just have it bookmarked. Um, <laughs> the it, the whole thing is actually, and um, what, what's cool about that is if you want to, um, you know, fork it and and add stages to a lesson or add your own lesson with stages in it, um, you you can. And the, I mean, all you got to do is you know is the development work, and then you can you know do a pull request, and and then that. Uh, after it's gone through some review and testing on one of our on our what uh, we we have a secret site that we do for uh, review and testing of labs before we actually deploy them to the you know to the actual um, production website, then you know your your content will go through there and it'll, it'll make it to the website. Um, it's we already have uh, multiple you know contributors doing this, so it's. It's not that hard to, to get involved. It's certainly um, for adding lessons. Also, because the back end is uh, open source, if if you're using this and you know you run into issues, or if you want to add you know features or get involved with the you know development of the back end, I mean, all those repositories are open, and you can you can certainly do that. So the question is, how do you you know how do you do that? Well, actually, we'll get into that in a second. The other thing you can do because it's open source is if you wanted to make your own. You, you're you're at an organization, um, and you want to make your own lessons, uh, you know, with on your own server that are not necessarily public. Um, you can download this whole thing and set up a server in your environment, and and it's like a training environment. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be about automation. I mean, we we're using that. For, we're using it because we're passionate about automation. That's you know, it's what we're paid to do. But if you just wanted to teach basic networking concepts, um, you could set up lab environments to do that. Yeah, so you're saying exactly right. I could either contribute lessons to this existing system that, that Juniper's kind of hosting, but it's open source, or if I want, I can take this entire system, bring it internally, and use it as a training tool within my own organization without ever having to go back to Juniper's site. That's exactly right. Yeah, you, you can open a pull request to the Antidote project to sort of include your content in our site. We'll host it for you. Um, or if you don't want to do that, you can just you know take the software itself and run it, and then use your own internal private repositories to 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 host that to host that content yourself. There's sort of a there's sort of a two two parter to this whole open source thing. We've open sourced not just the the software that makes it possible, but also the curriculum itself. Um, and you can sort of pick and choose which part of that you want to participate in. And are you anticipating that folks are going to want to contribute lessons? Don't have to anticipate. I can look at the requests right now. I have three pull requests that I'm uh, reviewing right now actively, and I see about five more branches that are about to open. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. it's fine. It, it, uh, go ahead, Derek. Sorry. Yeah, we we actually have um, a great deal. Like, you know, these things take time to build a community, et cetera. And um, even with the few lessons that are available on the site, uh, we we got an, we have enough excitement. There's there's almost at this point there's almost. A uh, dozen and a half, I'd say, uh, individuals who are who are uh, wanting to contribute just the lessons. So we're mm. we're pretty excited about that. Mm. 
Now, if I did want to take advantage of the open source opportunity here and build my own server for my own environment, what kind of hardware am I getting into to pull this off? So that's a, that's a good question. Uh, so what the lesson? One of the lessons that I made, uh, which I'm I'm super proud of, um, is is about troubleshooting. Uh, you know, a, something in the network, right? And the whole idea is, what if you you know you start your troubleshooting process with a piece of non-network information? And then you have to translate to, to a piece of network information, and then um, you can go about troubleshooting the network. And to spin up the, the topology for this, there's three uh, QFXs, virtual QFXs, a SIP PBX, um, a, a separate Linux instance that's running a command line SIP phone, and it's also running uh, NetBox, uh, Jeremy Stretch's project from DigitalOcean, which is like a network inventory tool. And I just want to repeat what he just said. We're running a SIP phone yeah. in the cloud. <laughs> yeah. Heard that. Yeah. Connected to a virtual PBX, and you don't set up any of it. I just want to. I just want to like restate that because I don't. I don't think that that could be emphasized enough. Yeah, and that all of that. Yeah, it, all of that takes uh, probably. I think it's six gigabytes of RAM um, in order to to run all of that, mm-hmm. and that's just one user, one one instance of the user. So if you really, you know, if you're, if let's say you're, you're trying to build, right. And you, you're anticipating, you know, let's say 10 concurrent users, which, which is probably, which would be a lot, right. For an organization's network shop. Um, but if you're anticipating that, and those are the kind of topologies that you're spinning up uh, a lot, you know, a lot of the time, then you're going to need, you know, whatever, 64 gigs of Ram. And, and you're probably going to want four to six, more than four cores, probably six or eight cores for the server, um, if you're just doing introductory things, like, oh, you can let's spin up a Linux instance that has some scripts and libraries preloaded on it. And, uh, you know, you, you could have 20 users doing that, and that would still, you know, 512 meg to a gig per instance with, well, without a lot of cores, since it's probably not intensive. Now, would I have to run this on a server? Or, I mean, the Kubernetes is in the mix here. Is it possible to spread the different virtual machines I need across a bunch of physical servers and uh, Kubernetes stitch the networking together? Or, 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 or too hard? Not too hard. That's, that's exactly how we built it in production. Um, so that's how we're running it. Um, and, and if you have a Kubernetes cluster that, that obviously follows that super, super good idea deployment model, um, yeah, I, you know, they're, they're, the, the way that the backend orchestrates all of the lessons will, will definitely be compatible with that. So you don't have to put this on one server. I think the benefit of doing that is, um, you, you know, you, we, we have a, another repo called self-medicate following the motif, um, which, uh, which allows you to, to run all this on your laptop. It actually uses Minikube, which is a single node, yeah. very automated single node uh, instance of Kubernetes. But it's still the Kubernetes API. There's no difference uh, there. So if you have a, it doesn't matter if you have a single node Kubernetes instance um, or 100, 100 nodes, as long as you've got the compute power to run what you want to run, um, it, it, it'll work just fine. And I also want to mention, um, like, the, the, one, of the, one of the things that's different about this uh, versus some of the other initiatives um, that we've seen thus far, not just in automation, but, and not even really just in networking, but some of the, uh, you know, some of the um, um, similar learning experiences, is this is not a read-only environment. Um, when, you, when you access a lesson, every single resource in that lesson is spun up on demand for you, not 
you're not connecting to a you know a set of shared devices that have been spun up ahead of time that everybody's using and you you know and and has RBAC permissions set such that you can only you know read information you can't make configuration changes like that that sort of defeats the purpose for us um, we that was a non-starter for us so w- what we've done is we've we've built it so that when you access a lesson every aspect of that lesson including the network devices is spun up for you um, if you if you want to RMRF uh, you know root. <laughs> You, you can do that. If you, if you want to wipe the config of the VSRX device that you're logging into, you can do that. I wouldn't recommend it because you'll lose the lesson, but you, know, you can do it. We're not locking you out from doing that. <laughs> if you're not a Linux person, rm-rf would recursively force a full directory deletion. And if you do it at the root level, you just wiped out your entire file system. So great, Matt. We've got the power to blow ourselves up. But but uh, you know, more more seriously, it means that you can do anything even outside of the bounds of the lesson that you want to do. Try stuff out. It's a live environment. You can do whatever you need to with. Yep, the lesson guide suggests things according to what we're trying to teach, but it's not locking you out from doing anything else. It's not an emulation. It is a it is a guided experience. It's a path that you can go down if you wish. Uh, if you want to deviate from that path, you can also do that. So there's a little bit of hand-holding, but a little bit of go ahead, play around, try things, see what happens. Yep. yep. Awesome. Yeah, there are some bounds. I mean, we we obviously we don't uh, allow internet access so that people, you know... <laughs> this is not going to be somebody's DDoS or... Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, this NRE Labs just launched, I think a few weeks ago. Uh, were there teething pains as you got this ramped up? Um, I would, yeah, the, the biggest thing is, um, we, like I said, we, we kind of expected, you know, community participation to, to start off slow and then build and right out the gate. I mean, within less than a week, we, we had, you know, half a dozen people who were like, uh, when, how can I, I'm, I'm going to do this right now. Like I'm going to start tomorrow. And so, um, I think that <laughs> we weren't, we weren't anticipating that. So, um, some effort had to go into straightening out the dev environment to get, the self-medicate uh, uh, portion that uh, Matt was just talking about had to be cleaned up, and then Matt did some. Uh, Matt has done so much work on this. He cleaned up the way you know the, the whole process for um, for the dev environment for for making your lessons, and um, all the way up through you know testing it live on our secret test website. Um, you know, he he cleaned up that whole process and got all the versioning and, and all that stuff straight. So. All that had to, we sort of did that after we launched, which I would recommend not doing it that way, but that's what happened. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a story of IT. Right? <laughs> um, I'll just add on to that, just, just from a technical perspective. Honestly, um, I had, this is sort of the one of the, it's really the first public, public you know, facing service of, of this type anyway, that I've sort of had such a, you know, sort of a, 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 you know, a hand in, in running. Um, and I had all kinds of, you know, I'm used to life as a, as a behind the scenes, you know, network engineer or even a network automation guy. You're not really dealing with front end services as much. And, and this is very front end. Um, and I, I had all of these concerns with, you know, load, you know, uh, uh, load capacity and, and um, you know, the performance of my own, you know, custom software. I, I had done some load testing, of course, but, you'd have, you know, you can never anticipate mm-hmm. the, the complexity or the scale that you actually will deal with in the real world. And so I had, I had a whole, whole bunch of concerns. Mostly they were unfounded. Um, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised to see uh, during launch week, especially considering I was at Nextwork and I had other responsibilities where I couldn't just dump it, you know, dive in and start <laughs> writing code to fix problems. I kind of had to just wait until I got home. 
um, I was I was pleasantly surprised that it held up as well as it did. There were there were occasional bugs, um, you know, where I was accessing you know some some resources without locking uh, shared resources without locking. It's pretty stupid. Um, race conditions, things like that. But um, yeah. honestly, I you know it, it handled pretty well. Well, you're using so many open source components uh, from different projects to pull this whole thing together. I, I, did you run into any bugs in those projects that uh, that impacted this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, man, you want to wait a little bit before you jump in? <laughs> Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, we we ran into a few, but uh, we're just you know you work around it. Um, you you actually contribute back to those projects because mm-hmm. you're you're relying on them uh, fixes and things like that patches. Yeah, and I mean it, but that's normal, right? That's that's always going to happen. So it is. I, I actually have a funny anecdote there. One of the one of the projects we're using is called Multis. Um, it's something Intel created to allow people to um, normally when you use Kubernetes uh, the a little bit of Kubernetes 101. The lowest level thing you can create in Kubernetes is called a pod. Um, it's effectively a container. Um, if you're used to thinking of things in, contain, in terms of containers, that's effectively what a pod is. A pod can hold more than one container, but um, often it holds one or two. So it's just sort of like the lowest thing you can deploy in Kubernetes. Anyway, normally those pods only have a single network interface. Um, and of course, if you're if you're trying to provision network devices that have you know two or more uh, network interfaces so you can connect things together... That's that's not super useful. So you need something to provide that multiple network interface functionality, um, and that's what Multis does for us. It's a CNI plugin that basically sits as a shim layer in between um, a real CNI plugin, quote real, uh, such as such as G- Linux bridging as an example, um, and and the kubelet. And the reason the reason this is sort of a funny anecdote is uh, we've been using this since the beginning because we knew we had to do this multiple interface functionality. Uh, and I, because I am am silly and stupid. Um, in in the Kubernetes deployments, I was using the latest version of Multis, which means that every time I deploy this thing, it's going to go and reach uh, reach out and get literally the latest version of the code without you know versioning. Um, and Multis version 3.0 came out about the same time I had a baby. Um, <sighs> and uh, so when I came back, uh, you know, from my few weeks off, I I, uh, I came back and the whole thing was broken, just totally broken. They had changed everything uh, about the way they deployed, about the way you, they configured their the, the software in a good way. But my my old way wasn't compatible with the new software. So there's just things like that. You know, like I said, you know, you learn these things. It was a stupid mistake on my part. You should you should definitely use versioned uh, packages when you when you install dependencies, especially hard dependencies like that. Um, but yeah, to Derek's point, this is sort of like the this is sort of part of it. You sort of just got to learn to roll with the punches. Um, you can't expect that everything's going to go super well. You just kind of you you use it as a learning experience and you move on. Um, ideally, you you keep that learning experience close to the vest. That way, you don't make the same mistake twice. But um, other than that, it's it's a pretty fun experience, I'd say. Uh, props for taking paternity leave. That's great. I think that's something we should encourage. Oh yeah, hundred um, <laughs> percent. But back to the issue at hand. Uh, you guys both happen to work for Juniper. You designed and built this on on Juniper's time. But NRE Labs is an open source project. What what is the relationship between NRE Labs and Juniper? And you know, you mentioned Cumulus is on there. Are there going to be other products from third parties on there? What what's the relationship? So um, yes, and the other things from third parties. Uh, we we want this to be, you know, look. The reality is, um, this is something that's going on internally at Juniper, which I'm really super excited about because uh, it's a, it's it's like a message I've never heard at a vendor, which 
which um, that you know a vendor that makes hardware, which which is acknowledging that you know customers are multi vendor, right? I mean, it's it's always been that way. It'll always be that way. And a lot of times, the solutions that come out, these software automation orchestration kind of solutions, when they come out, they're not multi-vendor. In fact, they don't even support all of the hardware that the vendor that made that product manufactures, right? So, you know, we need to start focusing on that issue, like in and helping people with that issue. So, so that's going to be reflected here in this on this website. There will be third-party um, third-party images, like I said, Cumulus, uh, EOS. Those are both things we can download you know, want to start playing with now. And, and I think it would be awesome to have those in, inside of Entry Labs. Um, it is an open source project and, uh, and it's, it's, an, you know, it's a community and it's, and it's just, it's sponsored by Juniper. It's, it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a product or a service of Juniper. Right, it's not really Juniper branded. It's, it's so sponsored it's means what? Just some financial backing, maybe some hardware resources. Um, yeah, we, that we pay the cloud bills. That's basically yeah, what right I mean. Pay okay. the cloud bills there. Yeah. Well, and they and they give us time to work on it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think that's super important. I mean, this isn't this is as as Derek was saying. Like we're we're sort of used to getting the marketing stuff from from vendors in in terms of like you know here's automation uh, and and what they do is they develop a product that does an automated thing. Um, one of the, one of the things that, that Derek and I have been talking about lately, uh, even before Juniper, but especially now that we're in this culture where people are actually starting to think about what network operators deal with in a much more credible way, um, we're it's 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 no longer sufficient to to think about network automation as simply automating the network. I, I don't really call that automation. I, I not to be pedantic, but I don't really think that's automation. I think that's just a feature, right? It's just something you build into a product. Automation to me inherently. Um, in 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 the actual definition, in the actual name, implies some sort of heterogeneity. It, it implies that intracellular space that no no one vendor can or should address on their own. Um, it it implies some sort of DIY, um, and of course that's that's a that's a you know that's that's going to represent itself in, in varying degrees for different people, of course. But um, it implies some sort of taking ownership of your of your of your own operations, and that's why for us, you know, uh, when we when we talk to folks about what we're working on. And NRA Labs is a manifestation of this. We don't really talk about network automation. We talk about automated network operations. And it's it sounds like splitting hairs, but it's really not. Automation to us has always been about the operations of the network and not just the network itself. If you if you're talking about an automated widget on a network device or on a on a on a controller or whatever, that's just a feature. That's a feature of that application. Automation to me is closed circuit. I have a thing that I need to respond to, and I want to tie that thing to a workflow. And that workflow is described by my own experiences. That's not something a product knows about. That's something that Battlescars told me. That's something that 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 three p.m. or three a.m. pages uh, educated me about. Those are the things that I want to automate because that's the stuff that 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 just no system can deal with, um, at least right now. Mm. Mm. Talk to me more about uh, about community. We mentioned earlier that people can contribute. There's uh, the GitLab. Uh, there's the GitLab. Uh, Git- <laughs> wow. GitLab, I am registering Git- <laughs> that domain right now. <laughs> There's the GitHub options and and so on, so people can make uh, pull requests and and contribute lessons and so on. But what about community? Is there I don't know a Slack group or a regular meeting up uh, somehow, something like that? Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> so we have um, at the moment. Uh, this is another way that Joomla's uh, sponsoring this. They have an EngNet. 
uh, Juniper has this, this portal called EngineNet, which is um, it's actually a portal for people who want to look at, you know, all of the Juniper-specific uh, automation things that that they offer, from paid training to not just NRE labs, but there's other labs um, that people can use that are paid, and then that are they have a lot more sophisticated, more complicated things that they're that they're trying to um, uh, train people on. But forums and uh, there's actually, if you haven't been to the Juniper Engineer website, I highly recommend going and checking it out. Um, and they have a Slack workspace, and um, in that Slack workspace, there is an NRE. Uh, they're allowing us to use that workspace to uh, to host an NRE Labs channel. Um, so if there's, you know, any any questions or discussion you want to have, um, that's that's one route to take. Um, I'm out. My, Matt and I are both in that channel uh, quite a bit. There's also um, just in GitHub itself, if you want to, you know, create a lesson or work on a lesson, um, you know, you can go, you can open, open up the issues and there's tags on those. And I think lessons is one of the tags. And uh, if you select lessons, then you'll see a whole bunch of uh, PRs open um, with lesson ideas that people are working on, et cetera. And you can, you can certainly assist other people with what they're working on or, if you see a lesson that's been posted, a lesson idea, somebody wants to learn about something, um, and that's something that you feel like you could contribute, you can just open up the PR, you know, make a note that you're going to work on it if no one else is, and um, and then get to it. Hmm. All right. So we've got the whole thing here. Open source project. We've got community. Uh, we've got uh, it's early days, but growing rapidly. And I'm not surprised that this is taking off. Just from my... You guys told told us what this was. You briefed us on NRE Labs, and I hopped in there as soon as it went public and tried it out. I was like, yep, this works. Because uh, I personally have had that nuisance problem of trying to stand up my own labs, and it just gets so tedious trying to get all these virtual machines talking to each other and just standing them up to begin with. Uh, and, and then to, just to have a tool that's sitting there where all of that stuff is just handled for me, and someone, presumably with a clue, has built a lesson for me so I can start learning something immediately. <laughs> and it's just there. All I have to do is just make the time and and work through the material is is really fantastic. So, you know, props to you guys for having the the desire to build this thing and then seeing it through. It's uh, it's really great stuff, and I think it's a big deal to the community, um, especially with automation being as complicated of a topic as it is, and needing to. We're not just learning scripting here. There's so much more that that there is to it if you really mean to do it well. So this is a, a big contribution to the community. And uh, again, props to you guys for all the efforts to uh, to bring it to life. It's a big deal. Uh, now, you guys are both uh, social animals. So uh, Matt, starting with you, would you tell folks how they can follow you? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Mirden, M-I-E-R-D-I-N. I blog at keepingaclassless.net. And of course, uh, you'll see new content from me all the time at labs.networkreliability.engineering. And you, Derek? Um, I am Cloud Toad, uh, just just the way it sounds, C-L-O-U-D-T-O-A-D on Twitter. Um, I, I tweet all the time. Well, all the time, some days. and other days, I tweet nothing. But you can certainly <laughs> follow me there. And um, like once a year, I get... 
I get worked up about something and I post on packet pushers about it. So, uh, you know, just <laughs> stay on the edge of your seat for the next thing. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks to both of you guys for taking the time with us and telling us about NRE Labs. And thanks to all of you in the audience for listening today. Heads up, we have a new site called Ignition. Uh, Ignition is the Packet Pushers members-only site. We've got videos, eBooks, articles, and more. You can't get anywhere else. We're already making our content plans for 2019. Uh, you can sign up for free at Ignition, but if you sign up for a premium membership, you do support us directly. We would really appreciate that. Check it all out at ignition.packetpushers.net and uh, get a hold of us if you think you'd like to contribute something to Ignition. We are paying for content, and we'd love to work with you on uh, what you know and would like to share with the network engineering community. Uh, we have a lot of shows in the network, too. You should try some of our other shows in the Packet Pushers Network, like IPv6 Buzz with Ed Horley, Scott Hogue, and Tom Coffeen. And we've got a Full Stack Journey with Scott Lowe, Data Knots with uh, me and Chris Wall. And if you didn't know, by the way, we are on Spotify now. Just search for Packet Pushers, and all the shows in our network will show up. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>